Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Vicki, and I am real excited today to have a special guest. This is Lauren Patrick. She is the daughter of our buddy, Cat Patrick, who you guys have heard on several different episodes in the past. So Lauren is about to graduate Homeschool High School, and she has been accepted to Mount Holyoke for college, and that's quite a feat. So I just am really looking forward to her sharing with us about her unique high school experiences, but also what got her into that special college. So Lauren, say hi and tell us about your homeschool high school time and what was good and what was interesting about it. Ready? Uh, sure. Go ahead. Um, well, hi, I'm Lauren. Um, <laughs> And I think my my high school experience was a bit interesting because I used to live in England and then right before my sophomore year, I moved to Texas. That's a big um, change. Yeah. yeah, the the school system is completely different in both those places. But um, my mom is from Texas and she knew pretty much as soon as she started thinking about college for me that she wanted me to go to college in the States no matter what. Mm. So instead of preparing for GCSEs and the UK exams, like a lot of my other friends who were also homeschooled in England were doing, um, we did stuff that would prepare me for high school and later college in the US. And then when we moved here, uh, we were kind of planning to take a bit of a a, a redshirt year, my mom called it, um, <laughs> yeah. to, to kind of take things easy for a year uh -huh. while I got used to the school system. But then mm -hmm. I signed up for dual credit classes at my local community college and took the largest class load I'd ever done in my life. So, so much for relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> so much for a redshirt year. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, we, I, I've heard that some people have kind of a bit less of a structured high school experience but ours it was pretty similar to what you might get in a regular school system in terms of having structured classes just that mm -hmm. I did them at home or at a community college or with a co-op yeah so you did a variety of things uh so you had dual enrollment and then I imagine you did courses with your mom's dreaming spires Oh, yes. I was the guinea yeah. pig for a lot of those. <laughs> so you, you helped her uh, vet those classes and know what works and what doesn't. It's nice to have someone feet on the ground right there where she can get feedback. So what, what were you concentrating on in high school, like subject-wise, so that you could build a strong transcript? It was mainly about finding stuff that, for sort of the base level stuff was just the things I was interested in so I'm I'm mm -hmm. very into English that's kind of something I inherited from my mom so yeah. and it, it it helped that when she started Dreaming Spires I was 12 so I'd taken four years of high school literature by the time I was 16. Oh Thanks, my. Mom. Um, and then I I'm taking her creative well not her creative writing course but the the Dreaming Spires creative writing course this year so mm -hmm. um, English is very much my thing. Um, yeah. And I also took, I've taken uh, a year of Spanish with Dreaming Spires, and then I took three semesters of Spanish with my, I'm finishing up my third semester at the community college. So oh. language was also something that I focused on. But in terms of um, sort of taking classes mainly that 
not that I would take classes that I hate, but there were some mm-hmm. classes I took, I sort of strategically picked so that they would look, make my transcript stronger. Yeah. So, yeah. um, especially for this year, my senior year, I'm taking, I'm taking physics for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I, I took algebra one, my eighth grade year. So by the time I was a junior, I was taking statistics at my community college and, and I was like, well, great. I've done four years of high school math. I'm done. And my dad, who is a mathematician by trade went, just where do you think you're going? Yeah. That's how I ended up doing calculus this year. (laughs) So if you end up doing calculus in college, it will be a lot easier because you've got all that under your belt or you can always call dad and say, how do I do this? So yeah, so you are, are from a very academic family, and so that makes sense that you would be encouraged to start doing your literature at age 12 and to really build a transcript that prepares you for a competitive college. So I want a rabbit trail, though, for just a minute. So what was it like for you to move from England to Texas, for goodness sake? That's like the world is so different between those two different locations. Well, I, I came to Texas on vacation quite a lot, even when I mm-hmm. lived in England. So it wasn't as big of a culture shock as it could have been. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, there will still be times, even now, I've been living here almost three years. Um, there's still times even now where I'll say something and my friends will all go, what? What, what do you <laughs> mean by that? Um and I, I say oi unironically. So, so it, yes, I, I uh, am a big fan of the old Jeeves and Wooster TV show on, on the A&E broadcasting station. And they say oi all the time. So I would have known oi, but most Americans aren't oi-ish. So I think that's really cute. Well, uh, they so, knew what it meant. It, it yeah. just struck them as a stereotype that we don't really do, but no, we really do say that. Yeah, that's really fun. So in Texas, what did you find homeschool-wise? Was there a good community, um, you know, compared to what you had there in England? Yes, but also when we moved here, I was getting to the point where I could do more uh, dual credit stuff. So Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. not as involved in my homeschool co-op as, say, my siblings are. Uh huh. Because you were at the age you were ready to start building towards your graduation and your future. And that's, you know, one of the gifts that your parents gave you was to start giving you that future focus. You know, for a kid who is capable of and is wanting a more competitive college, you've got to start thinking kind of early in high school. And sounds like that's what you guys did. Pretty much. How much, how much did your parents involve you in the planning process for the courses that you would take? Quite a lot. I mean, I was able to, uh, I had to research the dual credit courses myself because I, you know, I was the one with the student login. So I'd look at the course catalog and Mm -hmm. it it usually wasn't that hard to pick the classes that I wanted to do um, because there were some things that were just a, a logical progression. So for Spanish, I just wanted to do as much Spanish as I could before I graduated. So that was mm-hmm. one class taken care of. And then my mom might have an idea of what to do for Dreaming Spires. So uh, I guess I would say that early on, she pretty much just signed me up for whatever Dreaming Spires classes she felt like signing me up for. Mm-hmm. But it turned out they were all really good fits for me. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and compare in your experience what it was like for you to do your dual credit courses and your online courses um, as far as how you felt connected. Like, was it easy to make connections on your online courses? And also, was it easy to make like connections with teachers and connections with other students? Somewhat paradoxically, I think it's easier to connect with people on the online classes because mm -hmm. when I'm at my college, we're usually just all sitting around and the professor is lecturing and we're allowed to ask mm -hmm. questions and have discussion. But when you have an online class, there's this chat bar that's constantly scrolling. So if you want to say mm -hmm. something, you don't feel like you have to raise your hand and wait for the professor to call on you. Yeah. You can just yeah. write stuff down. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've noticed that with several of the other students that I've talked to is that, you know, usually in a college setting, you're waiting for the professor to finish the lecture and invite discussion or to, you know, make a discussion happen in the class. And otherwise, you don't want to be interrupting. But the online classes really do provide that more relaxed and, and chatty because of that chat bar. So that's I'm glad you had both experiences. So, okay. All right. One of the things you did is start looking for, you know, more interesting and competitive colleges. So you, you wanted to think more beyond, I think I'll get my AA at the local school, which is fine for the kids who are doing that because there's not one where I way to homeschool. Um, but you were thinking of other schools. So how did you start your college search process? Well, I started by making a spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. um, and I had a lot of schools on my long list, um, many of which my mom would look at and go, okay, that won't be a good fit for you because she went to a small liberal arts college and she, having brought me up and taught me my entire life, mm -hmm. knew that I would be a good fit for a small liberal arts college. So when I was putting, when I was making my long list, I think I put UT Austin on there and she went, you would die at UT Austin. <laughs> okay. um, so it's it, a good school, but it wouldn't be a good personality fit. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I have friends who are going there and it's, it would be a really great fit for those people, but it's just uh -huh. not, not really for me. Right. So I was, I was making all these, I was putting all these things on my spreadsheet um, and all the schools I was putting on the list were in state schools in Texas. And then uh -huh. all the schools that my parents were putting on the list were, you know, I think my dad put Emory on there and uh -huh. my mom was researching a bunch of schools that I'd never yeah. even heard of, but that had some kind of reputation for being quirky in some way. Okay. Um, what kind of things did you include on the spreadsheet? Just the name of the school or what you liked about it? I had a few different fields. I put the name of the school, the number of people who went there, whether or not they accept dual credit as, as course credit, because ah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm graduating with about 36 college credits and I don't wow. want to have to take U.S. history again. No. Um, so... So the, those were a couple of things. And I, I think I, I also put things like location, um, stuff like that. I think yeah. I mean, the spreadsheet's gone now. so I um, Yeah, yeah. But you had several different things that you were considering that, that mattered to you and your family. Mm -hmm. um, and also then your parents were giving input. So not just you, but they were saying, hey, I want you to consider this one and that one. So it was kind of a family project. 
Yeah, it was. And my my dad also teaches part time at the University of Oxford. So he kind of has mm. access to where the exchange students are coming from. So he would uh. look at, at where the exchange students are coming from. And he's like, well, these colleges must be really good because they're sending all these people to Oxford. And uh. that's actually how I ended up applying to Vassar because he put because he noticed that a lot of the students were coming from Vassar. That's really cute. So how many did you actually apply to when you got down to making applications? Six. Six. And which ones were they? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Um, I applied to two in in Texas, uh, Uh Trinity University and Southwestern University, which is where my mom went. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I applied to Hendricks College in Arkansas, which is actually where my swim coach's wife went. Um, But they recruited me for their swim team and their their swim team was really good. Uh And... Um, then I applied to Vassar College, Smith College, and Mount Holyoke, which are all sort of up north. So, and then how did you start narrowing it down once you got those six applications in? Did you go on tours of all the schools or what What did that look like for you? I actually toured them all way before I applied. And I, I even toured mm-hmm. some schools like I, I toured SMU and I toured Rice and I didn't mm-hmm. end up applying to those places. Um so I was I was touring schools in my in my junior year. And, Good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to get an idea of where where I'd want to apply. Yeah. And yeah. originally I was, you know, my parents were saying, you know, you should look beyond Texas because you might, there's some really good schools up, up north. And I said, nope, I don't want to be that far away from home. You know, mm-hmm. I want to stay in Texas. I'm not ready to move again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I got, so I, I signed up for this, um, this website called NCSA, which is something like National College Sports Association. Uh-huh. And it's a place where you can put sort of your stats for your sport up there. So uh-huh. I'd put my swimming times. Um, you also put your SAT scores and GPA on there. Mm-hmm. And I got recruited by a school called Mount Holyoke College that I'd never heard of. And yeah. um, and and I went, Massachusetts, that's super far away. And my mom was <laughs> like, well, look it up, see what it's like. And it turned out it was a really good school. So... Mm. Um, I signed up for this athletics weekend that was mm-hmm. uh, that I was invited to as a recruited athlete, and I went up there going, "I want, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this. It's going to be too <laughs> cold. It's going to be too far away from home." And then I couldn't find anything to hate about it. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, and that wasn't that wasn't when I decided, all right, this is where I want to go. But I toured some mm-hmm. other schools and. I was constantly comparing it to Mount Holyoke. I was thinking, well, uh, you know, that's good, but Mount Holyoke does it better. Uh-huh. And, um, and I wasn't even completely sold until I was, uh, until I got all of my sort of scholarship offers and stuff back. Mm. And at the end, after I'd gotten all my acceptances, it was probably the easiest decision I've ever had to make in my life. Uh, so what, what really clarified it for you? I think the, I mean, my parents will tell you different things, but for me, honestly, the main thing was that it was the highest caliber school that would accept all my dual credit. (laughs) There. And you know what? That's real life because you worked hard for those dual credits. So you may as well get credit for them. So, all right. So one of the things that is interesting is, you know, some of the reasons why Mount Holyoke liked you. So what, what do you know about what that attracted you to them or them to you? How am I want to say? Anyway, they liked you. So what did they like about you? Well, initially it was that the swim coach recruited me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason the swim coach liked me is because I swim the 400 IM, which is a, st- a event that nobody wants to swim because it's very oh. long. Yeah. But I actually enjoy it. And I, I also had a pretty decent SAT score. So he was able to sort of look at that and go, okay, well, she'll probably get accepted to this school. Because mm-hmm. they don't want to waste recruitment spots on people who won't get in. Right. Um, so that was the sort of initial point of contact. And then... I actually, when I was at the athletics weekend, I went to a seminar that they did about what they're looking for in applications, because the interesting thing about Mount Holyoke is that, like a lot of other small liberal arts schools up in, mm-hmm. on the East Coast, they're SAT optional. So uh-huh. I, I don't know if, if it's SAT optional for homeschoolers, but I know that for people who go to public school or you know not homeschooled, that mm-hmm. you actually don't have to send your SAT score if you don't want to. Uh-huh. So they said that they put a, a large emphasis on the rigor of the courses on your transcript mm-hmm. and your essay. Ah, okay. So you definitely had the rigor between dual enrollment and Dreaming Spires and all the individual things you did. And what did you do your essay on? My essay was actually um, a bit of a a bit of a fluke because when uh-huh. back in England. Um, there was, uh, I was, I think I was about 14 or it was the year I turned 15. There was a, a lobbying group that was forming that was going to be a homeschool lobbying group, but none of the people hmm. on it were actually homeschoolers. Oh, okay. so it, was, it was pretty much just a, a front for um, lobbying for more regulation on homeschoolers. Oh. So when something like that happens, you have to go talk to your member of parliament. Uh-huh which is a bit like a representative in the US. And it just so happens that we lived in the constituency that was represented by David Cameron, who was the prime minister at the time. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, And my mom and some of her other homeschooling friends were going to go, you know, talk to him in his local office. And it just so happened that I was getting my debit card that day. So she said, hey, Lauren, you want to come with us and be exhibit A? Mm. I was like, okay. So I got to meet the prime minister. And so I wrote my essay about how um, meeting my representative, who also happened to be the prime minister, was a way of teaching me that leadership isn't just someone sitting in their ivory tower and giving directions. It's actually somebody who sits down and listens to their people. Mm. So it was making kind of, that was one of the other things I heard at the seminar at Mount Holyoke is that they want essays that take, sort of take an experience that you had and makes a broader point out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, they wanted you to be able to present something, an interesting narrative, but that it actually had a reason for being. And so that's what a great story. I bet they never had a story like that before in one of their narratives. That's I don't really know. Cool. I, think, I think I'd be surprised. Um, yeah. But it didn't so, work. yeah. Did, did they say anything else in the session you sat in on, on what they're looking for? I, I think it was mainly those two things, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I actually got an email a few days ago from, so so I got a scholarship from them. It was like a, a half scholarship or something. That's and nice. There was a lady that was on the scholarship committee who actually took the time to reach out to me personally and email me and say, hey, congratulations on getting in and getting this scholarship. Here uh-huh. are the reasons why we decided to give you this scholarship. Uh-huh. They they have a very competitive applicant pool where you've you've got a lot of people who have really good grades, really good SAT scores, really good essays. So they have to give 
scholarships to people who have interesting extracurriculars, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she said specifically that the things that stood out to them were my entrepreneurship and the fact that I have self-published a children's series. Ah. Um, that that was kind of a a hobby that I did that I I didn't realize was going to be so sort of palatable to them but I think it's because uh-huh. when you're self-publishing you have to learn quite a lot about business because you're basically your own marketing executive. So what led that to happen? How did that come about? How did what come about? Writing a children's series and and going into your own publishing business. Um it I've sort of just been writing ever since I could hold a pen. Actually uh-huh. no, it was before I could hold a pen because I made my mom sit down and write the stories that I'm taking to her and then I draw the drawings in crayon so um so I was writing stories anyway and then I learned about this thing called Amazon Kindle which Mm -hmm. meant that you could publish books yourself Mm -hmm. and I was like whoa you can do that so my my dad is pretty good at computers so we he he taught me how to format ebooks and then I um so I published my series of ebooks and then eventually Amazon released a platform where you can publish paperbacks. So uh-huh. I learned how to do that. And so I had to be my own, you know, formatter, mar- uh, cover designer, marketing executive. I wasn't a very good at any of those things, but I did them. <laughs> and but they were good experience. Yeah. They were good experience. And the entrepreneurship part um, most likely refers to, I, I run an editing business Oh. And I also format people's books for this stuff because I know how to do it better now. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably kind of what they were talking about. Ah, so you you are actually bringing in your own income with your own editing business besides your children's books. I, I am. Yeah. I actually earn more from that than I do from my lifeguarding job. You're a busy girl. My goodness. Yes. So, and, but that is the cool thing is, is it made a sparkle for you in the eyes of the scholarship committee and uh, that helped open a door for some scholarship. And that's really nice. Yeah. I think it also helped that I, I, I think I said somewhere on my application that I want to do their entrepreneurship minor. Ah, uh-huh. so, so they would have been like, okay, so she yeah. picked this school because it's an entrepreneurship school. Uh, so good. You were very wise. So what is your major going to be? English. I'm not surprised. Very good. All right. So what advice would you give a high performing, you know, somebody who's really interested in um, English and um, going to a good school? What would you give them advice wise if they were a, another homeschool high schooler? Um, do the Khan Academy SAT prep. Uh, that's that was, great. Yeah, I I did my um I did like five practice tests before I even set foot in the testing center uh-huh. and uh-huh. my initial attempt compared to what I actually got was a difference of about 100 points. Yeah. So that can really make a lot of difference. Yeah. And also do stuff outside of classes because academics and good grades are important, but when when you've got thousands of people with the exact same metrics, you've got to show your passion for something in order to stand out. You are absolutely right. That's really great. So good, well-balanced. And, uh, you know, from our experience, that's uh, wise advice. Getting kids, you got to have something that makes you not just a good academic person, but also a well-rounded person. And you've done that 
exceptionally. So that's marvelous. So Lauren, if you, if uh, we had a mom with younger kids and they wanted to look at your children's books, where would they find them? Well, I have a website under my pen name that's elliefirestone.com. I'm kind of stepping away from those children's books a little bit mm-hmm. to focus on mm-hmm. pursuing traditional publication, but they're still uh-huh. they're still up there. I have like uh-huh. a books tab and you can click on older projects and then it'll show all the stuff that I've already published. That's marvelous. It, it would just be a fun adventure for people to look at. So, All right. Well, I better wrap it up. Lauren, thank you for taking time out of your very rigorous schedule to chat with us today. And we look forward to hearing from your mom about all the exciting things you're doing there at Mount Holyoke. So have a great time. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. So this has been the Homeschool High School podcast brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. <laughs>